1: Every week, we produce four uncensored episodes of the TimCast IRL podcast exclusively at TimCast.com, and we're going to bring you the most important for our weekend show. If you want to check out more segments just like this, become a member at TimCast.com. Now, enjoy the show. Let's go uncensored and talk about uh, what's going on with this conflict and stuff like that. There's, there's a lot of talk about, and um, man, I just, you know, uh, I wanted to briefly mention Julian Assange. Because uh, I think that dude is is amazing. I think he did fantastic work. He's a journalist. He was receiving documents and, and, and uh, information. He was uh, working diligently with the WikiLeaks team to redact sensitive information, to protect life while still get the truth out. And they have effectively assassinated this guy. And they're, they're doing a soft assassination. It's how I describe it. They know that if they kill him, they martyr him. You've got that, uh, whether true or apocryphal line, can we, can't we just drone this guy? I think that if this was 50, 60 years ago, they'd have killed him on the spot, but they learned their lesson with creating martyrs. So they use rape allegations, they lock him up and they just try and completely suppress and destroy his work. I just wanted to say that, you know what I mean? I, well, I have the opportunity. <laughs>
2: well, you you met you met with him at the Embassy, right? The Ecuadorian Embassy in London. yeah,
1: it, it was an apolitical, very boring conversation, not related to really anything. And I don't know what the point was, but, you know, shout out to Julian assange
2: well, i'm I'm out there in d c demonstrating for him all the time. We do all the coverage we can to support his freedom. But I was actually I never got to meet him, but we were in touch through encrypted communications, just talking about what was going on and with his predicament. And in one of our last communications, I'm gonna it's gonna I'm gonna struggle to remember this, right, But it's very intriguing. He told me, "Can you call this number or these guys who are offering photos of me inside the embassy and exclusive video of me inside the embassy for money and try to figure out who they are. And they're in Spain. okay, So I called them, and in Spanish, I said, I'm a producer for Fox News, and I have a million dollars." And I want these photos and videos because the question is, how did somebody from outside the Ecuadorian embassy have footage of Julian? It must mean a foreign intelligence agency had infiltrated the Ecuadorian embassy, which was what Julian Assange was always saying was happening. So I actually set up a meeting with them. And one of Assange's lawyers and a few other, some of his lawyers went and met them and found out that a spanish security firm called uc global had infiltrated the embassy whoa they were their director um their director whose name will come to me in a second it's been a minute but i reported all this was eventually arrested by the spanish police in a sting operation they'd been surveilling him he'd been traveling to las vegas to the hotel of sheldon adelson who was being used as a cia cutout to fund this operation and he wow. had stuck his forces, his, his men, as a security company inside the Ecuadorian embassy. They got a contract with Ecuador, secretly on behalf of the CIA, to surveil Julian Assange. And they were monitoring his every move, monitoring every conversation. They actually hacked into Pamela Anderson's email because she, put, she wrote down on a piece of paper her password for him so that he could check it or something. What? And they saw it with the camera and went into Pamela Anderson's email. Wow. Everybody. So I don't know what time, what what year you went there.
1: It was uh, I think it was February of 2017 or something. Okay, so that remember, was... remember when Trump said last night in Sweden? Yeah, I went to Sweden and then actually I think it was my it was it was a uh, early March. Yeah, it was March. It was around my birthday. So I think it was March of like 2017, maybe. Maybe maybe
2: it was not. Maybe it was 2018. Fuck, when was that? So Well, this whole thing started when Mike Pompeo declared war on WikiLeaks in his first speech as CIA director. And Sheldon Adelson supporting Mike Pompeo. Mike Pompeo said WikiLeaks is a hostile intelligence agency, non-state intelligence that's agency. Bullshit. And we will destroy WikiLeaks. That was his goal as CIA director. And that's what this operation was all about. So- It all comes to a head in, I think, late 2018. Ecuador's, basically Ecuador's version of the CIA director comes to meet with Julian Assange and they're talking about basically a prison break where they're gonna get him out of there and get him to a third country that will host him the way Russia hosted Edward Snowden. Mm. Everything was in place. They didn't know they were being surveilled though by the CIA. So the next day, the very next day in a court in Northern Virginia, the secret indictment of Julian Assange is issued. Wow. And they they surround the place with police and they yep. set the stage for his arrest. Uh, so It's fucked up, man. It is, it, and, and he's been tortured ever since. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who has two young kids who has a wife and the only way he can meet his kids is if they're first totally frisked, their mouths are opened and like if he tries to touch them before they're totally bodily searched, his young kids, police will tackle him
1: don don jr came on this show i think he said it twice the first was a call-in i think he said it here uh, again that he thinks it's time that edward snowden and julian assange get a pardon and 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 just are brought back
2: yeah uh i mean donald doesn't mean trump senior does it trump senior told candace owens he would pardon him didn't he didn't he really i believe so i mean like
1: dude if that was the only thing i'd vote on like if if that's true i just that nothing else Well, I mean, a lot else matters, but that's huge. He
2: had the chance to do it at the end. I mean, you know, you know
1: what Trump, you know what I think Trump was doing? Julian Assange knows stuff about the deep state. Trump wanted it. Trump wanted to use it. Julian wouldn't give it up because Julian is preserving his his legacy and his organization, WikiLeaks. So he's not going to compromise the entire operation because of Trump wanting to expose something or whatever information Trump thought he was gonna get out of it.
2: Well, uh, so, two guests that were being surveilled were Chuck Johnson and Dana Rohrabacher, who went supposedly on behalf of the Trump campaign to offer Julian Assange a pardon if he would agree yep. to say, you know, Russia Gate was a fraud, uh, the WikiLeaks emails were not given to him by Russia.
1: Well, my understanding- Podesta leaks and so on. We,
2: I, I, I think this
1: one's going to come out to a matter of perspective. My understanding was they were asking him to expose that it wasn't not to say, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure there's a view that, hey, just like the people who hate Trump are going to say, he said, just just claim it so we can use it. My understanding is they went to him and said, we know you have the evidence. We want it.
3: Right.
2: And
1: when he said, no, Trump said, then I'm going, to, then I'm going to, take you from, to take it from you by force. And so that's why he tried to pull him out, which is bullshit. He should have been pardoned and released. And I think that would have gone way better for Trump if he had- acted in good faith but uh let's talk about palestine as the 51st state <laughs> and, okay and anti-semitism and all that we're
3: stuff. gonna talk about palestine as the 51st <laughs> state this is ridiculous it is but there's one thing that i want to bring up so like back when isis was a thing when the islamic state was a thing there was this magazine that they put out called dabik okay and it yeah. was a legit magazine it had great copy editors really put together well it was kind of unnerving to people that the Islamic state was able to produce this type of propaganda in the beak. One of the episodes or one of the issues they had an article called why we hate you and why we fight you. Right. And it outlines the whole reason why the Islamic fundamentalists hate everybody that are not Islamic fundamentalists. And I cannot, I cannot recommend more strongly that you read it. Now this does not, reflect every muslim obviously but what it does do is give people an give people an inside look from the horse's mouth the way that the actual terrorists look at people that are not muslims they there's not mincing words it is straight up we hate you because you're unbelievers and we are going to kill you if we get the chance and the only thing that you can do is convert to islam and that is still a motivating factor in portions of the the or at least in in when it comes to islamic terrorism there are people that say oh well there are there are fundamentalist jews that hate other people and fundamentalist christians that hate other people and that's all true but there's only one religion that's been chopping heads off in the past 10 years, 15 years, you know, and I, I like, I, I actually tagged you on it. Uh, tagged yeah, I saw that. It. So I you opened it, and then I was just I I'm mean, listening it's to the, Quran it's a,
2: it's a minority extreme sect of the religion Of course, religion that emerges yes, exactly. from Saudi Arabia, Wahhabism, Wahhabism, Wahhabism right? which Qasem Soleimani fought yeah. mm-hmm. tooth and nail in Iraq, in Syria. Uh, because they're such a threat to many of the Muslims who live there, yeah. and the Christians. Yeah, because they don't like the apostates. No, it's there. Anybody yeah. apostates?
3: Anyone that's not a? Because if I understand correctly, there's a they they believe that everyone is born Muslim, and then if you turn, if you revert. Yeah, if so you're, you if you
4: to, to to being muslim. Muslim is like this day. Yeah, exactly. You're right. You don't convert, you revert. Okay, muslim. yeah.
3: So so that means anyone that if you're born and you are not a muslim, like yeah. you're born a christian, they to them you are an apostate because you have left right. the religion. And that means that and what the only thing that they think that should happen to apostates is kill them. Yes. So everyone mm-hmm. on earth that is born a muslim and then they turn away if they if they follow any other religion, so that means they're all they all get the sword. Like, so, And that's a real thing, like that's a real perspective. Now it's not the majority, but it is real and it is why people will strap a bomb on themselves and go and kill people that are not like
2: them. Well, the suicide bombing tactic was pioneered by a non-Muslim group called the Tamil Tigers in Sri Lanka. Right. Most suicide right. bombings throughout history have been carried out by them and there have been you know, forms of suicide attacks carried out by the Kamikaze, Irish sure, I mean, sure, sure, yeah. yeah. I'm not
3: saying that the, the, so that Islam is the not, only one that does.
2: It's not necessarily,
3: but it takes an ideological why. commitment. It and and, you're not, and people don't throw their lives away just for over economic reasons. Because the argument that that Obama was making was, oh, the these people are in such. Dire economic straits, that's why. They're, they're they're poor people, they have they have no no other option, so that's why they're turning to terrorism.
2: And that's just not true. I mean, the most comprehensive study of suicide bombing is <laughs> conducted by Robert Pape.
4: With the lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
2: No purchase necessary. BGW. Void are prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Political scientist. It's called dying to win. Mm -hmm. And he found that the common thread between all suicide bombers is they tend to be occupied, militarily occupied. And when you're militarily occupied and you also are economically impoverished, it can lead you into some extreme ideologies as well. But ISIS isn't really coming from that point of view. I mean, ISIS is ISIS. Also, we have to remember it was supported by the West. John Kerry was recorded. Secretary of State John Kerry was recorded. But their
3: motivation was still the Levant. Their motivation was to recreate, to rebuild the cattle, the Caliphate. caliphate, Yes.
2: Uh, But you have other Islamist groups, for example, that are willing to live with non-Muslims in their midst. Sure. Right. Uh, It might not be like the greatest situation for these uh, minorities, but they're not trying to eradicate them. Actually, one of the inspirations for the name The Gray Zone was a paper that was called The Extinction of the Gray Zone that was issued in Dabiq. And it called for... Muslims in the West, to destroy the gray zone, which is the area of coexistence between Muslim immigrants to the West and Christians and Jews and, you know, prevent the assimilation of Muslims to the West. And by doing, the way they would do it was to carry out terror attacks in Western cities, to polarize the population, and then to cause like the native Anglo-Christians to force them out so that they would take sanctuary, make hijra into the caliphate. Mm-hmm. And so by extinguishing the gray zone, it would empower ISIS. And so we said, we're the gray zone, we're the resistance to that, we're where people actually can coexist, but also the gray zone has a lot of other meanings. Uh, like It means like w- a war kind of warfare that is less than conventional warfare, which is the kind of war that we all live in now because we are yeah. currently right now engaged in information warfare. Fifth yeah. generation warfare, mm-hmm. yeah.
6: Economic so, warfare. Certainly. I just wanted
3: to point, I just wanted to make sure that, that, to point that out to give you, because you were talking about trying to learn it, about what the problem is and, and stuff. And, and there is a significant, uh, it's not large, but there's a, it's, it, it's influence and, and it's obviously the repercussions of it existing are, are significant because, you know.
1: I would think. I People I, are asking that, that we
2: get Ben Shapiro to debate you. <laughs> <laughs> I debated him once without knowing I was going to on an old Al Jazeera show called The Stream. I remember The Stream. Yeah. yeah. With,
1: and, uh uh, uh who, who was hosting that? Ahmed uh, I don't uh, even, Eldin? I don't even
2: was remember. Was he doing The Stream? I don't know if that was him I don't actually. remember them. I should but i'm like getting early onset alzheimer's and i'm on two i'm two malort's down. And it was a long time ago all i remember is that they had to keep cutting ben's mic cuz he was just he wouldn't shut up. he was just screaming the whole time and he wouldn't let me talk. he was so <laughs> agitated by everything i was saying it was like he was going to spontaneously combust.
1: but yeah, i can, if someone, I, can I can understand why Someone like Ben would be agitated by this. You know, it's you know. like
2: a, a Kirk Hammett solo. It just he. Just, it's like when there's a Kirk Hammett solo in Metallica. It's like they just open a, a sound deprivation chamber, and he's but he's been playing continuously in there. Like <laughs> but he was trying to do that throughout the whole debate. So if someone would like. Lock him in a in a soundproof chamber for the parts where I talk and then let him out. <laughs> I would do it, but he just won't do
6: it. So like a pro, what year was that? Because he's, he's calmed a down spaz. a lot. I've no oh, last time I hung out with him, he was super chill. Like he was yeah in a in like a calm. So if he's we had a chill. good moderator, yeah, we probably get a really good combo.
2: I mean, it would be like if you step on the st- uh, uh, you step uh, to the mic and you get your time. I would do that. Yeah, in I, I theater, like theater. I I would be down to do that. If we could do it, we'd I I, I like it. Ben. Uh, All he does is insult me too. He's like that, that, that Jew-hating anti-Semite Max Blumenthal. It's like but that, I, 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 I can I can bag on you too, and it's not going to work out that well for you. But I'd rather talk about ideas.
1: Uh, I, I like Ben, but I do think that, for obvious reasons on the issue of Israel, he's going to be agitated. Yeah. It's the polite way of putting it, and you know. As a, in contrast to how you described it, I'd just say agitated, you know I, what I mean?
6: Now is and the I mean, time. Respectfully, like, if, if I can understand why he would be. If we're gonna take a risk or take a chance or talk to people
1: we're not comfortable talking to, now's the time. But I don't want to put him on the spot, it's just that we, we had a lot of people saying that
6: y- you and Ben would be a really, if if it were possible, but, you know, well, so not. So, talking about making Palestine a state or offering them the opportunity to petition to <sighs> I, I just want I
1: just I hope you realize that it's like a literal impossibility, nobody wants that, and what are you even referring to, Gaza?
6: Yeah, wherever we could help, we could work with Israel. Where or are, you, are you saying we create
1: could create a state? Well, Let me answer the
6: question. Okay, how we about could, this? Okay, Wait, I got an
1: idea: we get an island somewhere, and we relocate everybody there, and invest tons of money
6: in infrastructure, and give them a place. That was the that was the other thought. I was like, we can we can we can send them away as refugees, but that seems like almost like Australia. It, it's like I don't. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Ian. It's just. it's already there cleansing i want i want (laughs) to stay i want to stay right next to israel because they're great trade partners and i want to go to israel i want to chill there i want to go to egypt i would love to have an american presence there and it could be we could we could increase the value of the land we could bring high tech what gives us um, us the authority to do that because we the british and the french are responsible for this shit. we're not not the
3: british and the french Yeah, well we've
6: worked with the british and the french for 100 years propagating the jewish occupation or colonization of that territory we we have a duty to take care of these people no no we don't we 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 created created this problem
1: no we didn't well the
6: british and the french did it and maybe the americans weren't involved i don't know
1: and the children children,
6: you you cannot promise the children of one generation You,
1: you 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 can't go and say, because of our involvement in World War II, we are now culpable okay. for anything. Well, that's entire one country. reason why. The it's other reason not. is
6: I want to avoid World War III. That's, that I can the, understand. that's another reason. But
1: we're not the world police. We shouldn't be the world police. Unfortunately, we are. Yeah, I know. But we're not. We have a duty, man. No, we don't. The, 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 the efforts of the United States to be the world police have been a disaster. Why do you think.
3: Well, I agree, I do being agree with Being involved in
1: war, I can understand. World War II and things like that, there's question about whether or not we should have been, even been involved in World War One or Two in the first place. Right. But at the very least, I can understand the U.S. being like, we have allies, we're intervening, there's, there's a major war going on with people being imprisoned, murdered, and systematically killed. It's another thing for us to be like, hey, there's some bad shit going on over there in that other country, let's send our troops over there. No, fuck that. Also, like, that's why I'm like, you know, Cassandra is 100% under all circumstances, the US does not intervene in foreign bullshit. And I asked her about like, what about sanctions? No, fuck that. No sanctions. Bullshit. And I'm like, okay, me, I'm like 95%, 90, 95%. Like there, I recognize that everything is absolute. But in, in almost every circumstance in my life, where the U.S. has been like, we've decided to intervene in this conflict, they've just fucked it up.
6: Yeah, the yeah. last 120 years have been insane. Oh, by the way, the Hundred Years' War went on for 116 years, and it was three 20-year wars. Yep. So it's huh. three wars within one war. So it wasn't war. even hundred years. So we're both kind of right. It was <laughs> 160. Showed you. So like Ian. World War One, World <laughs> War Two, and then modern day war is kind of like the three pockets of war, just like that Hundred Years' War. Well, let, let, back let, in the day.
1: Let, me, let me do this. As as Ian and I argue the merits of a 51st state of Palestine, what do you think? Do you think there is a solution? I, I, I'm not saying if you could figure out what it was but do you think there's one
2: I you know went around the country again and again to every every venue that would have me to talk about a binational solution or a one-state solution where everybody had equal rights between the river and the sea which would I think and it would it would end the source of the conflict which is that the Palestinians are stateless and that they are completely Physically separated. And now I think we're we've never been further away from that. I would I mean this idea was accepted by a small, tiny minority in like academia, and we had little one-state conferences with Jews and Palestinians and Israelis, and in Israel a small group of people supported it. In Palestine, a small group of people supported it. Now both sides are electing to decide to to negotiate through violence. And yeah. it's not going to work out. It's actually, although the balance of power is on Israel's side right now, in the long run, it will not work out well for them. And so I will. I just wanted to put it on the record that I tried something else along with a small group of people.
1: I. I so the US is in, in deep shit right now. BRICS, the, 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 the BRICS currency, yeah. the competition for the petrodollar. Yeah. I kind of feel like if the U.S. loses its unipolar status, which is basically on the verge of doing, we're now entering a multipolar China-U.S. world. If the U.S. loses its position and falters, I don't know how Israel survives.
2: Yeah. I mean, you talk about modern warfare. It's not just conventional warfare. As we said, it's information warfare. It's It's also economic warfare. The U.S. has imposed unilateral coercive measures. In other words, sanctions that the UN doesn't vote on, on one third of the whole world's population, but particularly on countries where it seeks regime change. And one of those countries, by the way, was Venezuela. Where is so much of the pressure at the border coming from? It's coming from Venezuelan migrants. The State Department in 2019 published uh, under Pompeo a document boasting about having destroyed Venezuela's economy. So what happens when you destroy the economy of a country to your south? They come to you, the rich country. Yep. So everyone in the anti-war right or anti-interventionist right who wants a hard border should also look at the perspective of let stop destroying these countries. So what are, what are these countries going to do when they're under U.S. sanctions? They're going to turn to a country like China that isn't going to tell them, in order for us to have strong economic relations with you, you need to have this kind of system and you need to uh, recognize uh, the LGBT community and do uh, all of the, you know, you need to have a neoliberal economic system and so on. All China wants is just to shake their hand and cut raw economic deals. And so Venezuela's bringing China in there. Syria is cut it, it, Bashar al-Assad, who has been under devastating sanctions, has gone and met with Xi in China, Xi Jinping, and they're cutting deals through the Belt and Road Initiative. And all these countries are getting out from under the dollar hegemony that has crushed them. And in the end, once the petrodollar is gone. We're fucked. The American way of life gone. is over. yep. People don't get it, we don't make
1: shit. We, we just print dollars <laughs> and then we use those dollars to buy shit from other people because they need our dollars to buy oil. Yeah, so petrodollar goes. So uh, a super simplified version: most countries have to export more than they import, so they have a strong currency. It's a very simplified version because uh, they need to use their currency. Let's let's call it Ian bucks. If they want to buy oil, they first got to buy dollars. So Ian has to trade Ian bucks for dollars. Is the Ian Buck worth anything to the American people? Depends, what do you make? So Ian has to maintain more exports than imports, basically selling more goods to keep a balanced budget so they can maintain a strong currency and buy more oil. Once the petrodollar is gone and Ian can buy oil directly with Ian Bucks, he goes to the US and says, go fuck yourselves. I don't need shit from you. But the US ain't making anything. We give our manufacturing up to a bunch of different countries for short-term gains from shit ass politicians. So when Donald Trump was like secure our borders bring manufacturing back, it's kind of like maybe we should start doing that. But uh you get Biden back in and they want to resume the typical, I don't know, what do you call it, liberal economic order policies of let's just blow people up and you point guns at them so they give us their stuff.
2: Yeah. Well, even Biden's rec- seen the writing on the wall. That's why the Chips Act. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. In, in
6: and and that's why he sleeps all day.
3: Cuz <laughs> he's just he's just too help, tired. <laughs> help me
6: poke some holes in this concept of allowing statehood to Palestine.
2: What, well, what would be something like in the way of that?
6: They don't want Hamas.
2: Well, <laughs> literally I wanna, Hamas. want ask because Isra- he's an Israel expert. does not want a Palestinian state because it would be a base for uh, Palestinians to, mm-hmm. in their view, organize against Israel within Israel. Uh, they don't want a Palestinian state because the West Bank now has something like 200, 250,000 Jewish settlers in it. Mm-hmm. Where would they go? I mean, if you look at Jerusalem right now, there's the East Jerusalem is occupied by Israel. 350,000 Palestinians live there. They have Jordanian residency, not citizenship. And that part of East Jerusalem is completely surrounded with giant mega settlements that are like cities in order to cut them off from the West Bank. So where would the state even go? Uh, there's a settlement called Modayin Elite. It's It's huge, it's basically a city East of East Jerusalem, and the master plan cuts the West Bank in half. So the Palestinian state, if you were to establish it now, would just be a bunch of uh, cantons or bantustans that don't connect to each other. And then you have the Gaza Strip and Jerusalem. I mean, that was Israel's plan, was to cut them off into a thousand pieces, a bunch of pieces of salami, and have the maximum number of Palestinians on the minimum amount of land. And that's why Palestinians started looking for a different solution which is we're just going to go for rights instead of sovereignty because we have no sovereignty and rights within a jewish state means we're equal in a jewish state people who are not jewish can't have equal rights and so they've basically proven that israel is not a jewish and democratic state as a arab lawmaker a palestinian lawmaker in israel um, ahmed tibi said to me israel is democratic towards its jews and jewish towards its arabs let's go to callers we'll bring in our callers and see what they have to ask or let say let us do that hello
4: uh aqua studio how are you today hey
7: what's up guys hey. um thanks Welcome for having me on of course my question is for max here um watching the episode tonight it feels like you weigh Israel's response to terrorist oh, you give attacks. Me a second oh, wait, here. hey, give do, re- second. ask that question again. Max was putting his headphones on. Yeah, there you
4: go.
7: Oh, okay. Um, uh, watching the episode earlier tonight, it feels like you weigh Israel's response to terrorist attacks as heavier than the terrorist attack itself. To me, the fuck around justifies the find out.
2: <laughs> With Lucky Landslots, you can
0: get lucky just about anywhere.
5: How
2: do you balance the scale? Well, when did the fuck around begin? I hate hearing myself on headphones. <laughs> I hear my own like nasal right. voice. So the <laughs> so easiest
7: way would be we'll we'll just use what happened this uh like one. That would be the days. easiest
2: way for you, but that's not the easiest way mm-hmm. if you actually look at it from the perspective of people on the ground. So yeah, the fuck right. around you began. The the, you could look at the fuck around beginning. When would
7: you say the start date begins?
2: Well, the easiest way for them would be 1948 when 750,000 Palestinians were forced from over 400 villages and cities, and many of them were pushed into the Gaza Strip. The Gaza Strip's population is over 80% refugees who have no state, no, no citizenship of anything. And if you look at the city of Ashkelon, which is being rocketed right now, that used to be called Majdal Ashkelon. And it was filled with Palestinians before 1948. They were ethnically cleansed. This is something that's been acknowledged by mainstream Israeli historians like Benny Morris. And they were pushed into the Gaza Strip. And actually, many of them were actually held in internment camps, barbed wire internment camps until 1950, then dumped in Gaza in trucks and then Jews from Iraq. And Yemen, which were destabilized through the creation of Israel, which fomented a lot of anti-Semitism in the region, were then moved into their homes, literally moved into their homes. And then later, Russian Jews who came from the Soviet Union were moved into their homes. So they're kind of like they're firing rockets at a city that that their grandparents and great-grandparents used to live in. That's how they perceive it. But we can also look at so many other indignities and assaults that have happened, Uh, 2006-2007, Operation Summer Rain, when Israel began raining missiles down on a besieged Gaza Strip, the mortuaries were overflowing. This was according to Israeli media. 2008-2009, Operation Cast Lead, over 800 uh, people killed in the Gaza Strip, over half of them women and children. Operation Pillar of Cloud, 350 civilians killed inside the Gaza Strip, through uh, assaults by the Israeli military. And you look at the Israeli casualties at this point, it was maybe 10, 20 people. Then Operation Protective Edge, 2014. In each case, Israel violating a ceasefire to carry out these attacks. Israel was fucking around in these cases. And that led to I mean, 500... that sounds
7: like heroism to me. I mean, we could praise Israel for that.
2: Well, I mean, that's, that's just a, a, a commentary and reflection on your own character praising israel for attacking caged natives in a walled-off ghetto who are basically defenseless and what do you think it does to the mentality of young people to grow up in that do you think it makes them healthy and psychologically capable of having great relations with the people who are constantly drone attacking them and no the culture there is one of trauma constant trauma and you see people playing out their trauma through violence in these armed factions to get vengeance on those they consider to be their oppressors. And I don't like it. I don't want it. That's why I'm in this as a Jew, because I saw this coming and I see more coming. So, so you want to praise it? Keep on praising it. Keep on supporting it. Keep on uttering cheap phrases of fuck around and find out. It's not going to work out well for Jews. For Palestinians, and it's going to spread and drag us into a regional war that could turn nuclear.
6: I had, I had a question. Aqueduct. What did you? What do you think about it? Was heroic?
7: Oh, I mean that's um, kind of tongue in cheek because the response that we heard from the uh, the the uh, Democratic Socialists they said, "Oh, it was the Hamas attacks were heroic." You know, so perspective. You could call what Palestine does when they fire rockets into Israel. You call that heroic. <laughs> You could call IDF responding to the attacks heroic. It's a perspective. What's heroic about
2: lobbing missiles from far away into a ghetto? I mean, they're not they're not facing people. What's heroic about shooting
7: rockets into civilian Israel? Yeah, I don't think either of. Many
2: Palestinians. I don't think either Palestinians consider it heroic. You know, but
7: like if you can justify one, to go into a military
2: base, to go into a military base with American tanks and Markava tanks and American military gear, which they did, and we never we're not talking about. Going and shooting defenseless civilians. What the Al Qassam brigades and the Sierra al al Quds brigades did was initially to go into military bases and fight Israeli soldiers face to face, and the Israeli soldiers lost. And this and, is all on camera. And so in that's New what York, they. Can, I don't. And I'm not speaking for the DSA. I don't care. About, I'm talking about what people on the ground think is heroic. What I don't even know what the DSA in said. New York.
1: There was a an event promoted by the DSA where they cheered for the rockets reaching Tel Aviv. And at this event, one man laughed about the hipsters who got taken by the Hamas soldiers. He actually explicitly stated that he was happy that they went to the music festival and and took several dozen of these hipsters. And then he laughed and said, I'm sure they're doing fine now. Many many of them being dead, of course. Being
3: anti-American has become like the cool edgy thing in college. Yeah, they were were clapping and and cheering for it.
2: But I mean, didn't you laugh when Burning Man got flooded? No. No. Why would I... That wasn't like an actual, like... Uh, some people were like, yeah, they had it coming. Yeah, kinda. like they did a uh, sacrifice. P- Perhaps like... They a- <laughs> did like a ritual sacrifice for Ukraine and then got flooded. I, no, but I don't I, know if you've I'm, noticed, I'm, s- but I was am saying would... we're talking about New York hipsterism. We're talking about like people... Sure, but I don't, don't, don't want to wish for their death. You know what I mean? For sure. I mean... Okay. <laughs> Have you looked at the pro-Israel rally in our video of it? No. Uh, no. Okay, play... I mean, actually, I want, I, AOC... I want who condemned the Pal- the Palestine solidarity rally, just tweeted our video out.
1: I will play this, though, from
2: Glenn Greenwald. This, this is it. We did This it? is the video that she just tweeted out this as one? well. This one? Oh, yes. okay.
7: Fuck Palestine!
4: Palestine to my dick! What do you think the response should be from Netanyahu and the military to Gaza? Kill all Palestinians! All of them! Not one life from this the river like to the sea, Palestine will be deceased! And Israel need to do like
8: this, you see? Now Gaza, like this. Gaza need to do like this.
3: He else, speaks English. I'm that. Either, like though. this,
8: but okay, all the this. The
1: prime minister of is Israel is. So, crazy. so the guy right now is showing a, a picture where it's Gaza, and then beneath it, it's just it's it's a parking lot.
2: It's like raised. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Man. Let me just provide some perspective here, we as Americans provide Israel with $4 billion a year in military aid for them to spend here on weapons to dump on Palestinians. We should absolutely end
3: all foreign aid.
2: We (laughs) give Israel more aid than we give to all of Africa. And Benjamin Netanyahu is using this rhetoric. He said he will reduce to rubble all of the hiding places in Gaza, a coastal enclave that's besieged where (laughs) half the population is children. The defense minister of Israel, Yoav Galant, said the people in Gaza, they're fighting human animals there. And he said that in cutting off the gas, electricity, and water. Okay, it, only Israel has the power to commit actual genocide. Or they only ha, they're the only ones with the weapons to be able to do it. And they are saying that they want to do it. Uh, members of Knesset from Netanyahu's party are calling for Nakba 2.0 on Twitter. The Nakba the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians in 1948.
1: Let's, uh, uh, I want to try and get to more uh, callers. So, uh, was that sufficient? I know it's probably not because this debate goes on forever, but, uh, it does.
7: yeah. Oh, that was awesome. Thank you guys so much, Max. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks, thanks
4: for you calling. Said. Cheers, mate. All right. Uh, up next. Oh, whoops. Uh, this is getting difficult to scroll there. Uh, levity. 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 <laughs> Hopefully, that's levity. How are you? You with us? <laughs> Yep, you got it. Hey, yeah. nice. nice. Definitely, could definitely use some of that nowadays. I try to stay as white-pilled as possible.
7: Hey, hell there yeah, you go. Hell yeah, same
4: here, bro. <laughs> so, uh, my question is to the crew, and I'm speaking from the perspective of, like, the vast majority, 90-plus percent of my family, is from Palestine or living there currently. Um, uh, Where do you think this conflict will be going? Say especially with like the election year, will this be used as some sort of catalyst for even something like an October surprise, if you will. Hmm. You know, some, uh,
1: some people have said that a wartime president has never lost, therefore Democrats will benefit from this. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, I, I suppose the, the Trump could stand if Joe Biden was seen as competent and as someone leading a nation through a war. But he's not. overwhelmingly people think he's too old. No, he's, he's able- really
4: not right. <laughs> so
3: it's like, I don't know about that. Most people are are really if I can like, from what I can gather, most people are not confident that the president is competent to run the country without uh, a war going on. Never mind, a war in the Middle East, which is unquestionably not something that could be won for at least not by, not for, for the United States. And I think the United States is mostly over getting involved in foreign wars. The, The, I don't think there's ever been a time in my life when America has had a, a general consensus of we want to avoid, or have, have had more people that had the consensus of, we don't want to get involved in foreign wars. So I don't know that that would help by yeah, all a,
1: a lot of trump people are anti-intervention and anti-war it's really interesting
4: i kind of and i'm i'm with them there on that front like i'm i sort of side with phil on the whole subject of like just stop it all off. foreign aid
6: i i got this this feeling that this could be another short war like the 7 day war but i don't think it's going to be 7 days but like i know ben said benjamin netanyahu said that it was going to be a long war i don't know i i
1: i, I Kind of feel like this could be the most uh, extreme escalation we've ever seen. Yeah, would, would, it, Max, would you agree? It's like a, I
2: mean, you listen. Listen to what Nikki Haley said. Finish them. Yeah, finish gross. them. Fucking like a gross. Village. A, car- a carrier
1: a
4: group hunk, being
6: dude. deployed. A U.S. special forces being offered up. Yeah.
4: I, I just, I, I just, it, it just it's, it it's like.
6: like it's, it's hanging by a thread, which is why I'm resorting to prayer. It's just, I'm not a spiritual, I mean, I don't think of myself as religious or any of that, but like people can have dreams. Mm-hmm. People like Benjamin Netanyahu can wake up tomorrow with a realization of something. He can have a, it would, what what if, same with what, the defense minister and all these people.
1: What if like tomorrow on the show, Ian's like, I prayed to Jesus and he told me what to do. And then he gets up and leaves and then like, 2 days later we're like what happened to Ian and it's like peace has I'm come out of, to the middle I'm East. Out of playing with Elon, <laughs> He's like lex standing Freeman, and standing yeah. and he, and he's like got a hammer and he tears the wall <laughs> down and everyone hugs and it's all over and it's just like how did he
6: do it? And he's like just told me what to do. Cuz uh someone put me in touch with lex Friedman <laughs> who got me in touch with Benjamin Netanyahu and we all hung out and talked about God. Yeah, what do you think? What do you think politically? I mean
1: what, how does this affect the US internally? Well, I mean, unless,
5: uh,
2: well, that was a question for
6: Max, but yeah you, well, I was trying to get Max to right. jump in, then you.
2: I mean, look at Biden's speech today. He's under extreme pressure because who funds his campaign? I mean, there's tons of pro-Israel money coming in. There's there are huge consequences. AIPAC, right? AIPAC, yeah. Well, I mean, Biden was a close friend is a, a close friend of AIPAC. He said on the Senate floor that if Israel didn't exist, he'd have to create it. Oh, like, whoa. Whoa, geez. <laughs> yeah, everyone watching, just look up that clip. It's easy to find. It's more shocking than I even made it out to be. And it's also interesting to see Biden back when uh, he was like coherent and like really spry.
5: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, oh, it'd be what? cool if like in the US, we had, you know, like hydrogen fuel cells and solar and uh, nuclear power, Mo- mostly nuclear power because the energy return on energy invested is so fantastic. We were manufacturing things and everyone in the world wanted to be like us because we had the coolest shit. Instead, at some point, some fat, lazy intel guy was like, let's just blow them up until they give us our stuff, give us their stuff. And that's kind of been the trajectory of American foreign policy
2: ever since. Yeah. So from the Democratic point of view, you have an interesting dynamic. The Democratic Party is not Democratic. So, you know, you have the donor class, but then a Pew poll this year showed that for the first time, most Democratic voters do not support Israel over Palestine. Wow, Uh, they are sympathetic, especially the younger Democrats are more sympathetic to Palestine. Then you have the Republicans, a lot of Christian Zionists, a lot of people who support Israel for religious reasons. Older Republicans are very pro-Israel. But I mean, you look at Tucker throwing down the gauntlet, who's one of the most influential kind of America first figures, and he's like, "Okay, Israel can respond, but this cannot go beyond that to Iran. And so Trump. Would be under pressure to oppose a regional war, and his base would follow him. So I think the longer this goes on, the more you're going to see support from the American public falling away. Wow! And especially Mm. if there's a ground invasion in Gaza, it's going to be so ugly. It's going to be disgusting. Yep.
1: I like the uh, the libertarian. We should not be funding foreign countries. It's bullshit. America needs to stick to its own business. Yep. I can't stand the author the tanky left. Cut funding to Mm -hmm. Israel so that. You know, we can kill them all like that. That shit pisses me off.
6: I, I agree with your uh, invasion of Gaza by the Israeli military it would be disastrous for the Israelis because people would have their video cameras up on the seventh floor recording the Israelis kicking a door and dragging a woman out by their hair. And it would just the entire world would see the horror oh, yeah. of what it, that door to door. Yeah. So they, they do
2: every day, by the way, in the West Bank, but it would be on a much greater level. Right, we got to try sure.
6: and get through these callers, though. So uh,
1: levity, yeah. was that good? Is there anything you wanted to add to that?
4: uh no just shout out to what y'all do and uh the great community you've got here in the discord right on yeah for those that are listening
1: you should definitely be in the discord hanging out thanks for calling in buddy
6: thanks
0: man cheers man
4: all right uh larkin what is up
0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah.
8: Hi. on, guys? I'm Pretty
0: good. good, man. So,
8: you uh, all had actually a really significant question in the uh, the chats earlier that you didn't really understand that as far as this. The, te- uh, the red heifer. Oh, yeah. According to hermetic Judaism, uh, 10 perfect red heifers have to be found, drained of blood, and then sacrificed and the site of the third temple to bring about what their version of the second coming is. Right. Right. And so right. the first week of October they was announced, they found the 10th red heifer, the 5th of October, 800 rabbis stormed Alexa or AXA uh, temple and held a ritual there. And then the 7th, all this third stuff going on. Anyway, so oh, yeah. military well, intelligence went, real, real quick, I just, and, pulled, I pulled uh, it
1: up just real quick. Sorry. Uh, I, I just Googled it a month ago. They said, uh, one heifer would herald the third temple and end the world as we know it. And this was reported September eighth.
2: Yeah, I mean, what's really significant <laughs> yeah. so, is you have these religious nationalist Jews led by Itamar exactly. ben, v- ben gavir who is the security <laughs> minister. is sound of, of yeah, I'm just okay. yeah, there you go. But yeah, Larkin, did you want and, to elaborate? and 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 they're leading these oh. these these marches up to Al Aqsa, but the ultra orthodox rabbinate, the traditional rabbinate of Judaism, forbids them from going in without the red heifer sacrifice, right? What they're exactly. doing is, tri- so, is, is contrary uh, my question to traditional juniors. Junior. Yeah, I
8: apologize. Is, uh, the deep state essentially of Israel is fiercely ethnically supremacist and uh, uh, religiously like zealous. They really believe this stuff. You may not, but they do. And so like, they try to enact these things, right? I know it sounds crazy, conspiracy, I know, but Again, military intelligence, you don't really question them anymore. So my question is, the Samson option. I have i rethink it. I think that the Samson option, you look at what's going on in the West and the flood of refugees and stuff like that, right? Where most of these refugees are coming from. They're coming from uh, Middle Eastern nations. And you people ask, well, why does you know the West care so much about Israel? Well, really, that started in the 60s, I believe, with uh, the, the second... Uh, It was the Catholicism. Uh, Man, why am I? I can't remember that. Basically, a lot of funding uh, was poured into these churches from Israel to affect public opinion because they need to survive in a hostile environment, right? Well, if they want to enact these things, what's going to happen? So, if they destroy the mosque and they want to rebuild this temple, what's the standard reaction for anyone that this is like their holy land, right? Their holy site? they're going to get pissed off and they're going to act, right? So if all of these nations are now flooded with Middle Eastern individuals that don't really have anything really solid yet anchoring them there, and then a holy site is destroyed of theirs, thus giving them an identitarian spike and a reaction when the U.S. and the West supports Israel, thus pulling them into this global War. That's what I think the Samson option really is. It's not going to be like a nuclear bomb, like people used to think. But I was wondering if you think this so is accurate.
2: The Samson option, which is the title of a Seymour Hersh book about it, is basically Israel blackmailing the West with a nuclear strike if the West abandons it.
6: That's I've been feeling that in the meditations for about seven seven years or nine years. And
2: uh, yeah, or they could do a nuclear strike on a. Regional country. Um, yeah. Yisrael Ariel is a influential religious nationalist rabbi in Israel who over—he's the founder of this Temple movement. What wants to replace Al Aqsa with the third Jewish temple? And in the early '80s, he attempted a bombing of the Al Aqsa compound to destroy it, and he was actually stopped by Israel's deep state—the Shabak, the Shin Bet. Israel's security establishment is actually still overwhelmingly secular, and a lot of them are actually anti-Netanyahu, are supporting the protests against Netanyahu, and they see this movement as destabilizing not only to Israel, but to the entire region. Because if you blow up the third holiest site in Islam, the whole region is going to be set on fire and it's going to yeah. turn against Israel. So, they this yet this movement has been really sophisticated in infiltrating Israeli institutions. And now you see one of its key figures as a security minister and one of its other key figures, Bezalel Smotrich, is the finance minister who's in charge of doling out money to settlements. So they're moving in there and they're becoming the kind of new counter-establishment in israel and that's what all these protests that you see against netanyahu are about they say oh it's about judicial reform no it's really about who decides the future of the country the religious nationalists or the old elite from tel aviv and jerusalem who are kind of secular zionists
6: those are the supreme court of yeah israel.
2: yeah they, well, the supreme court is their base <clears throat> you know their base of power it's like the only thing they have left so they're going to defend that tooth and nail
1: we have only a, a few minutes left, so I, we, I do want to make time for these other callers, but Larkin, did you want to uh, clarify anything or add to that?
8: Uh, no, I appreciate your time, and uh, the Holy Land belongs to Rome, Roma and Victor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really want to see people suffer, and I've seen it firsthand, so I hope it all ends, but thanks right. for having me, guys. You thanks guys for calling day in. Day. Thank you. Bring back Cheer the man. Italians.
4: Yeah, we are talk- <laughs> <laughs> talking about before the, the pod. That's funny, man.
7: All right, right.
4: funnily enough, our next uh, caller is Roma Nation. <laughs> how are you, Roma Nation?
5: Hey guys, this is your new elite member, AK, with Roma Nation. What's going on? Tim? What up? Hey, nice microphone. Yeah, yeah, good mic. Sounds good great. Sir. It's the same one you guys have. It's All so right, nice. so <laughs> so my question is for a uh, failed journalist, Phil Donahue, here. Um, after Biden's <laughs> failed withdrawal attempt from the Middle East. Left something like $80 billion in weaponry and vehicles. So, my question is since U.S. citizens are now confirmed killed by those same said weapons, can Biden now be complicit and charged with a war crime? Whoa. I mean, so realistically, it's not going to
3: happen. But I would love to see it, and I think that you could make an uh, an argument as to well, obviously, like I said, I don't think it's going to happen. But
1: well, but I mean, come on, Phil. If we, if if we, we go after Biden over this, we have to go after Obama over Anwar Al-Awlaki. Stop Tim, I can only get so hard. <laughs> 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 George W. Bush would have to.
3: Yes, we'll just go down the line. We can we can keep going. They all need to go. Um, so yeah, Bush, I mean, Bush would have to be floated. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see it, but again, you know, we live in the real world where the bad guys win.
1: Yeah, I don't know about a war crime. Um, I think, yeah, I, I wonder if there's some kind of uh, uh, congressional action for the abject failure in Afghanistan that's resulted in this. I guess the, the bigger question, though, is are the weapons actually making their way to Hamas? Right? You've seen you've seen those rumors, Max. From where? Uh, r- uh, rumors that I uh, say th- there's questions and. Some reporting that I, I would not say is confirmed that weapons left over in Afghanistan have made their way to Hamas.
2: I mean, Dmitry Medvedev, the Russian prime minister, has said weapons from Ukraine right. way that way were right given to, to them by the U.S. have made their way there. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, Very possible. I know they have the capacity to have their own military industry at this point, um, and there are only a few tunnels going into Gaza that are still active, so they're not the smuggling networks are weaker than ever before. Interesting.
5: Oh, anything else to add, To give you some context, um, if someone other than like Hunter Biden's gun that was thrown into a school dumpster and was found by another person and someone died as a result, um, there would be harsh consequences for that individual. So I think that would have some sign of some kind of a contrast to it. But um, but. If it was Biden's call to make sure that it was safe to exit Afghanistan, how does this correlate to his gun control initiative? And does he now lose all leverage when it comes to gun reform in the states? He should, but he won't. Come
1: on, the, 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 the gun reform arguments are going to be emotional. Uh, they're not going to have real
6: debates on it. You know,
5: yeah. I
3: Got think you're figured. making.
5: But you're, the, the, the la- I'm sorry. Go
6: ahead. Oh, you make an interesting observation about a, a leader that does something that causes some sort of permanent change in the system that then leads to the downfall of their country like that leader would be hung strung up and executed by its people so like we're in a very tolerant society right now for better or worse and it might actually be tolerant for worse i'm not sure but at the very least he should
5: step down from office after
4: that (laughs) surrender (laughs) yeah Yeah. exactly
5: any anything else uh, the very last thing is uh, I want to promote the uh, weekly shows on the Discord. We got the Casper uh, Morning Commute with Sammy Football at 9.30 a.m., the Midday Sweet. Rush with Fluffy Hobo at 6 p.m., awesome. and the Before IRL Show with C. Nosky Olives, Claire, and the Esteemed Joey Canoli at 7, <laughs> which they all now have musical intros by yours. Wow. Truly. That's awesome, Sweet. By wow. your truly. Discord.
0: Nice, G. We
1: have uh, the Friday Night Music stuff just about set up now, too, so yeah, we're probably right. going to have people playing music on Friday nights again.
5: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So sick well yeah. cheers. Right, man. If, you need, if you need an intro let me know thanks for calling yeah, in buddy dude. cheers brother tip you got it all right last but not least Box
4: design what's up we had a good time talking with you the other day how are you yeah. thank you I uh, just want to say I uh, appreciate you guys letting me shout out i probably do it again at the end but i've sold you know quite a few shirts since then yeah cool but uh um, right so straight to my question uh there's a question for max and tim i'd say you guys probably have good insight but obviously the rest of you guys can answer too um, with stolen land being a massive issue on the table in this conflict between Israel and Palestine, do you see any parallels between this and our handling of the Native Americans, for example, making uh, making treaties that aren't honored and forcing them into certain plots of land, etc.?
2: Oh, boy. I want to hear what you have to say first. So my, my views
1: on uh, – man, I think the, the issue with uh, American history and the Native Americans – uh War conquest. We don't like it. I think my upbringing and my view of human rights and, and, and everything based on where we've come to is we don't do these things now. But I don't know how you go back in time and, and and solve. like, I guess I'll put it this way. Israel-Palestine is active. It's ongoing right now in a world where we recognize the problems of militaristic colonization. I don't know if I have the moral standing to, to solve a problem like that that is active. If I look back at what happened with the Native Americans, I'd say there are two principal arguments. One, many on the right make the argument that uh, like the Aztecs, for instance, were sacrificing humans and, you know, doing other really awful fucked up shit. And therefore, when the when the Europeans came in, they were like, yo, this, these people are savage. This is fucked. Uh, but then, of course, there were people who are much were absolutely not doing that. And they were more so fur traders living up the north and still got fucked over by people who are Europeans because people are tribalist. Even the Europeans were tribalist. and They said our people fuck your people. The people who have the bigger guns tend to take whatever they want. These days, we say having the bigger gun does not ma- does not grant you the right to take from someone else. So where we are right now in the United States is, I think there's a limit. Changing Columbus Day to Indigenous People's Day is kind of like, okay, dude, chill the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. However, I fully recognize, like, yeah, we don't want it. we don't want that stuff anymore. We, we a lot of bad shit happened in the past. We've learned from those mistakes. We recognize the bad things. We'll teach the bad things and as, as to why we don't do them again. As for what is going on right now in Israel and Palestine, dude, I don't fucking know, man. Yes, obviously, like there's an issue of people who had lived there for generations well before the the establishment of Israel. And then you have settlers who come from Europe and people who had also been there. But then you have these arguments I don't know enough about. Uh, When I talk to my friends of mine who are Jewish, they say, what was Palestine before, you know, 1920 or whatever like my family lived there before, and they got kicked out. It's Jerusalem, and that's where you know this it was religious group was before and that even. I yeah, and it was like Rome, and I'm just like, or something. dude, I have no idea what the answer is. Because I'll tell you this: if uh, if Israel, let's say right now, just said, "That's it, we're we're flattening Gaza tonight, all all 2.5 million dead," and they just fucking destroyed it, and and, and then in, you'd have the entire Arab world being like, "You just massacre all these people, it's war," and yeah. then a thousand years later. You're gonna have people being like my family, it's my land and it's just, it's never gonna stop.
2: Yeah.
1: I, don't, I don't know, man, I don't have the answers. I don't what do you know. if they you think, Max?
2: Well, everyone, every American should visit Wounded Knee uh, in South Dakota and just go up there and see the final site of a genocide that took place right in our backyard. And it's on the second, in the second poorest county in America with the highest rate of domestic violence, teen suicide, just desperation and despair. Reminds me a lot of Gaza. Um, and you go to that site, and they have been shafted in every way possible. What happened? Go ahead.
1: Oh, uh, well, I was going to ask, what's what's that city that was established for the purpose of selling booze to Native Americans?
2: Oh, it's right on the other side on the Nebraska yeah. border, and I forget the
1: name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
2: I mean, yeah, the alcohol industry. You know, they've they're they're bringing in alcohol because technically it's banned from Pine Ridge, so people go Pine, to Pine, Pine Ridge. Pine Ridge is on the South Dakota and, side, and then, and, then, and then they go to like uh, I forget what what it's called yeah, there's the a, Nebraska side. And a they city just, established specifically to sell booze to Native Americans. And they just get drunk for days and it's just, it's a drug of mass destruction. But basically they had been destroyed. The Lakota Sioux had been destroyed through massacres like Colonel Shivington's massacre at Sand Creek, mm-hmm. uh, which was celebrated in a, in a arena level, um, you know, celebrated back in Denver because they thought the natives were such a threat to them. Cause they were waging an armed resistance against their own total dispossession so it all ended in wounded knee i think it was like 1870 some um, 1870 1890 70, 1890 whoa december okay. 29th
6: 1890
2: okay and all they were doing there was a dance called the ghost dance they had started to follow a prophet who promised to deliver them from the white man with this dance and that dance was illegalized by the authorities. And as they were doing this dance on a hilltop, the Seventh Cavalry, formerly of Custer, who had been defeated at um, defeated by Bighorn. Sitting Bull, at, yeah, at Little Bighorn, brought in the Gatling guns and massacred them. And now it's a memorial. And you see at that memorial many American flags on the graves because many natives from those from that very poor reservation have gone to fight in the U.S. military, and they have a they serve in a disproportionate rate because it's one of the few ways they can actually get benefits from the government. So the genocide was consolidated, the resistance ended and Native Americans have either um, absorbed themselves into US society or they're working for more sovereignty for their tribal land, but there is no more armed resistance. But it doesn't mean that they feel like so happy about what happened or that this conflict has been settled. They were just crushed. And that's what's happening in Israel-Palestine now. Israel is trying to crush the Palestinians and settle it the same way we did with the Native Americans, but the genocide has not been consolidated and the Palestinians have figured out ways of resisting it and be, be, being as ruthless as the, like being ruthless well, in order to prevent it. The, yeah, I think, I, I think the rail- I will
4: say, oh, sorry, you go ahead. No, dude. go, 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 go. go. So you- I was just going to say, I think the, the, biggest, the biggest issue for me with both situations is when you come into a place, you either need to, or you have to make your intentions clear. You're either there to conquer or you're there to, you know, settle and be part of their culture. And when we came to America, we weren't clear with that. We started to try to negotiate. We started to make treaties Then we would violate treaties we would slowly force them onto reservations. We'd trick them into giving up their guns until we got them to the point where they just homogenized or, die, or died. Or in this case now, like they live on small reservations that aren't very well you know, well funded or well run. But but and understand, report,
1: knows. you're saying we, but one of the issues is that oh, yeah, yeah. several different nations, several different factions <laughs> even, when some, you, you might've had numerous uh, groups coming from uh, the UK to settle in, in, in the United States not knowing each other, not aligned with each other and not caring. So it's more so a large mass of different people with different agendas from similar locations came in and just started settling and then there were more of them and they had better weapons and they told the people who were there to fuck themselves.
2: And the key thing is that they were settler colonialists whereas like British colonialism was different because they could always go back home to their little island. These people had nowhere else to go. So it's like we either get the natives off the land and destroy them or we get pushed out. And that's also what you have in Israel. They are settler colonialists. Many of them, although a lot of them do can go back, like have dual European citizenship. Many of them see themselves as having no place to go, which is why they are so ruthless.
1: We, we, we uh-huh. have gone, we've we gone pretty late, but if you had, want to add any final yeah. thoughts.
2: I was just going to say... Um, well, one
4: last thing on that topic is that I think it's just very strange for us because very rarely are wars nowadays fought over a land specifically. They're usually fought over resources yeah. or only land so that they can get resources through there. Like Ukraine, they want the a Turkey Pipeline and stuff. But um, back to – or just you know shouting out my business. Uh, I appreciate you guys letting me shout out last time. We got quite a few sales. But cool. um, the pre-orders are still up for five more days on watchmenclothingco.com. um i really appreciate the support so far from all the listeners and and you guys i i freaking can't believe you guys pulled it up on the show you had me freaking <laughs> out when you got that um but uh, and one last thing ian oh i'm listening dude i love you so much bro you are <laughs> i i pray for you often and you know i, I wholeheartedly believe that you know, you will come to Christ. And I, I really do think that you love God and that you really want to find the truth. I don't think that you're, you know, a lot of people don't give you credit for what you're really trying to do. So thanks, I appreciate that. And um, also one message to the Catholics who say that uh, Rome belongs to the church. Um, the temple is in you. Christ uh, Christ died so that he didn't need a physical temple for you to go to anymore. You can talk to nice. him whenever you want. So, Nice,
0: man. The Holy Land. All right, man, thanks for calling in.
1: Thanks. Yep. Cheers, brother. See you, See you, guys. All right, Max, thanks for hanging out, it's been a blast.
2: Yeah, yeah, thanks for giving me a platform, giving me the opportunity to speak to an audience that might be different from the one I usually speak to. I had a great time with the crew and uh, I learned a lot. And thanks to everyone who didn't agree with me for hearing me out, Um, this is a great opportunity for Mm -hmm. me.
1: And, we'll, and we'll, we'll, of course, we, we strive to do the inverse. You know, we'll have someone on who's probably got a more a pro-Israel bent. We probably actually have them on all the time as it was, as it is. So it was great to have you. So I appreciate it. Absolutely. And uh, for everybody who's a member, you guys rock. Thanks for watching the show. And if you're not already, join our Discord server. The instructions are on the website and you can continue the conversation with the shows they're they're doing before, during and after and uh, hang out with like-minded individuals.
6: Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you, tomorrow. We, we will see you all tomorrow.
1: plus.